Hello and welcome. My name's Ben. I'm the CEO of Charlie HR, and this is the Culture Ops Podcast. We're the podcast that's trying to lift the lid on the challenging situations that affect your business and your culture on a daily basis. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the Culture Ops Podcast. When people ask me what makes a great culture, I tend to say that I don't really believe in good or bad cultures, but effective cultures. Your culture is what enables you to build the type of organization you're building. And ultimately, we're all building different organizations. And so because of that, we all need slightly different cultures. There are, however, a group of organizations that I'm really fascinated with. A group of organizations that are growing in number and that are seeing team members flock to them in their droves. I'm going to call this group of organizations the deeply purposeful. They are those organizations who have a strong, obvious, and clear purpose at the heart of their product and their business. I'm fascinated by the effect purpose has on culture and both the challenges and disadvantages it provides an organization. So today I'm excited to be joined by someone from an organization I place well within that category to discuss building a culture with purpose. I'd like to welcome Laura Wyatt, People and Culture Manager at Oakley. Hi, Laura, how are you? <laughs> Woo! Hello. Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Ben. How are you? I'm great. I've never had a whoop on um I think at, I at the beginning. Like a whoop. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I love the energy. I really appreciate it. So I'm assuming that most of our listeners know about Oatly. Um, I've got three three cartons of the chocolate uh, downstairs, which is just like a sort of mid morning snack mid morning snack for me. Um, but if uh, if people don't know about Oatly, how would you describe the brand to someone that's coming to it fresh? Yeah, I think um, it's quite commonly described as the sustainability company that happens to make oat-based products. But to translate that into something more concrete, we we make dairy alternative products from oats. Um, and we're most famously known for our milks, particularly our barista milk, which um, a lot of people really love. And that's that's sort of our lighthouse product. Nice. And your global brand, right? Like operating uh, all over the world. Pretty much. We are. We are striving for world domination. So yeah, we're, we're all over. Good. Nice. Um, so I guess let's set the scene. If we're going to talk about the interaction between culture and purpose, we need to understand a bit about uh, Oatly's purpose as a brand. And you talked uh, just at the top there about sustainability. And it just so happens that you're, you're, you're making oat-based products. Elaborate on that. Is there anything else that you feel sits at the core of what Oatly is trying to do? Yeah, I mean, sustainability is our nucleus, but that's just quite a broad term that's thrown around quite a lot. I think our purpose is described as turning what people eat and drink into moments of healthy joy without recklessly taxing the planet's resources. Something to that effect. Um, so there's there's kind of two elements there. There's the sustainability piece, which is at our core, but there's also that piece around nutrition and, and trying to make healthy products that kind of fit people's dietary needs as well. Um, so there's there's two prongs to, to that piece. Did you read that off a piece of paper or do you know that off by heart? Because if you know that off by heart, I'm quite impressed. 
Honestly, Ben, I didn't. Um, And I don't think I said the exact right sentence, but I think most people here could recite that in some capacity. Um, It really is kind of the headline of what what we're doing and why we're here. Nice. And before we sort of, I guess, dive into and look at the culture and uh, some themes around it from a macro perspective, did that purpose draw draw you to the organisation? Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. I think you know, being in a in a people culture HR role, um, the the you know, you, you can be very connected to teams and what teams are doing, and it can be quite internal. Um, and I've worked in companies before where I've had great teams and, and great cultures, but then with with Oatly, I'm very kind of passionate about. The, the challenge of climate change and combating it, that for me is part of my identity as a person outside of work as well. So being sort of drawn to the great culture and being able to, to offer my skills as an HR type person is, is one thing, but then you just inject that layer of actually, then that translates into something really meaningful that, that is very important to me as a, as a person. So yeah, it was like nice. a double whammy for, for wanting to work for Oatly when I first applied. That's very, very cool. I think if you can find that intersection, it's a, it's a beautiful place to play. Yeah, yeah. So much more kind of um, motivating and powerful to, to have that. Yeah, it makes work not really feel like work, which I think is, is if you can do that, That's you're definitely dream. onto something. Yeah, yeah. it literally is. <laughs> um, okay, so I always ask the hardest question up at the top, which is, do you think your strong purpose as an organisation makes you more effective as an organisation? Yeah, um, is the short answer, but I will elaborate uh, on on that. I think I think when people are truly engaged in the the mission, the purpose of a company, you really tap into that more sort of intrinsic motivation, which does translate to sort of more productivity and higher performance. Um, and it just unlocks that kind of slightly higher level of focus and discretionary effort from people. So, um, yeah, I think I think from that perspective, it, it does help. Discretionary effort, that is a great phrase. I've not actually heard. <laughs> yeah, but I've never heard it. I've never really heard it used, which shows you that I'm actually probably not as HR as I should be, which is ironic considering I run an, an HR company. <laughs> but... Um, how would you define that? How do you describe what discretionary effort is? I think it's just that kind of going above and beyond aspects of working somewhere and um, doing things outside of your technical role description and sort of grafting and, and getting in the game, so to speak, in a slightly more three-dimensional way, potentially. don't know if I've done it justice with that explanation. No, I think it's a good explanation. So, uh, you know, people are more likely to pick up things that don't, fall to them and go above and beyond contribute input because they are genuinely passionate about the problem the the problem that you're trying to solve and the purpose that you have as an organization yeah yeah absolutely putting it sort of bluntly you get more from the people you have in the room Yes, that is a blunt way of putting it and that obviously has a shadow side which which I guess we might talk about later well, let's do it now. What do you think the shadow side is? <laughs> I think, um, look, I think um, it's 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 very normal for people's identity to be wrapped up in what they do for a living. Um, and I think that's sort of a, an amplified phenomenon here, I guess. 
um, and people really identify with the brand, with our mission. So that that makes slightly more like an emotional connection to what we're doing, to the brand, to working. Um, and so I think that that has translated to, to struggles with work-life balance, to setting boundaries um, between yeah between working and, and not working it sort of bleeds into the rest of your life um, because we're all so passionate about the brand we consume it we're talking about it more than than I think your average person would about about work so for, for us that's just a constant like challenge that we're mindful of to, to sort of make sure that people are switching off that they are setting those boundaries that they aren't all consumed by oat-based products because um we, we absolutely don't want that type of culture. Um, so we need to actively try and manage that. Yeah, it's sort of, um, it's, the, it's the opposite of what probably most, uh, you know, and this is going to sound cynical, but uh, let's, let's say, for example, that the majority of organisations over periods of time will, will ask the question, are we getting enough from this person or are we getting enough from this team? Or, you know, a question that, uh, you know, I've, I've had asked to me at various points in my career, like, are we working hard enough? Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I think when you build a culture where people feel like they just want the organisation, want the purpose to succeed, um, you actually have to put boundaries the other way. You have to yeah. you have to make sure you're you're being um, you you're you're kind of running with your duty of care and saying, actually, look, we love the extra effort, but we want to make sure that. We're also looking after each other. We're being sensible, and we're not getting into habits that are going to, you know, cause burnout and 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 you know, cause us to uh, overly prioritize our work over other things in our lives. Yeah, exactly that. Then, yeah, it is an interesting challenge. Nice. I think where I've worked before, kind of a high priority for for a position like mine is improving employee engagement, um, and that's organically just done here that tick that off that the workforce is incredibly engaged um so yeah like you say it's sort of the flip side of that that's the challenge rather than them trying to create an engaged workforce and i think my my final kind of question on on the effectiveness of of the organization from a from a very from a from a numerical standpoint do you think the organization is aware that their purpose is a tactic to enable performance, i.e., I, I guess I'm not saying that they're thinking about how do we drive performance. Okay, let's come up with a great purpose. They have a great purpose, but do you think they're actively aware that because of that purpose, that is allowing us to numerically perform well as a business? You know, do you think it's that nuts and bolts? It's never really termed like that. I think I think it's it's more just the absolute sort of foundation and seed about why we exist as a company and the higher performance is a really happy byproduct of that um we don't really take that and use it in a strategic way to drive performance um maybe we should but it just sort of happens anyway (laughs) um so so no not really yeah i mean that's probably the right answer because i i think with these things if if it if it feels like it's a strategy, then it can't then it kind of undermines the foundation of what the purpose is in the first place, and it, and these and I think it ends up ends up feeling a little bit sort of disingenuous, basically. And I, I think I think I think 
people see through that instantly. Yeah, completely. It's it's a bit more inauthentic um, and and genuinely. We, we do really just want to try and challenge a broken food system and work for a more sustainable future. Um, and that's that's not a that's not an internal like HR strategy. That's the absolute nuts and bolts of what we're doing as an organisation. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So, you know, a, a few moments ago, you kind of said that someone you know role is typically driven you know one of their markers of success is employee engagement and that is um for the most part uh solves for you or or you know there's a starting point i guess is there are great foundations for an engaged team because of, of people's connection with the purpose so it feels like this question is is obvious which is like you know does your purpose help you attract and retain great people i imagine the answer is is yes from where you're sitting, like, what's your experience of that? Like, what are the, what's the evidence you see? What's the, yeah, how, how does that, how does that kind of manifest in front of you as, as someone that's responsible for this on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, I think, um, you know, one thing which is quite unusual in, in the sort of two and a bit years that I've been here, I've never had someone come up and resign. So our retention is very, very high, um, which you know, also comes with challenges sometimes. And from from an attracting people point of view, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty gnarly the amount of applications we can get to our jobs. Um, and it's another sort of different challenge for us in that where I've worked before, and I think quite typically you would engage a recruitment agency, for example, to help you find great talent um, and, and sort of build that, that candidate pool. Whereas at Oatly, we, we've sometimes lent on recruiters simply because we just get so many applications in and we don't have enough time and resource to look through them. It's more the recruitment agency is to take that and then sort of digesting and showcase us the best the best candidates from that pool. Um, so that's, yeah, a very, a very happy place to be, I suppose, from a, from a recruitment point of view. But it, it does, <laughs> it's a lot of work to look through the amount of applications that we get. But some people really go above and beyond you know we've had people turn our oat milk cartons into their cv and physically send it to the office or make strange creative youtube videos or set up whole new instagram accounts that they then turn into their cv um so you really see that extra level of of commitment uh, in applications which makes looking through them um more enjoyable as well is there ever a scenario where the the, the skill set you need doesn't cross over with the doesn't cross over with the purpose of the organization like has 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 there ever been a has there been a role yet you've hired for where you need something very specific and it just so happens that there isn't a, a group of people who are kind of I mean again your purpose is like something relatively easy to get on board with like I can't imagine there's too many people out there who um <laughs> who who wouldn't like put themselves within that Venn diagram, but I but I think it's an interesting question to ask. So I'm going to ask it anyway. Like you know, have there ever been points where it doesn't quite fit? Um, yeah, I mean sometimes in in the recruitment process, um, but not often. We I mean we wouldn't hire someone who was actively disengaged with our with our sort of 
purpose and and what we're here to do. I mean, we do have we have a couple of people here that are lactose intolerant, so they're slightly more passionate about the nutrition side and offering um, offering a, a sort of a solution and a good alternative for people with uh, lactose intolerances. So slightly more driven by a different part of the purpose, if if that makes sense. So I think that makes it easier because there are different aspects that people could kind of be slightly more engaged with. Um, so it is it is different for everyone. But yeah, it hasn't really happened where we've had to not take forward a really great candidate because they are just absolutely not interested in something to do with with what we're trying to achieve at Oatly. Okay, so that's one, ang- one angle. Yeah. Maybe the other angle is that, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you guys are a B Corp, correct? I want to say you are. You're not, no. You're not. Okay. And um, uh, but I imagine you, you're sitting like close to s- some of the pillars that that, that fit within yeah. that in terms of how you run your organisation. Mm-hmm. Definitely from some of the things that I yeah. see. Does someone's attraction to the purpose ever go too far in terms of? At the end of the day, you are a business, and so you have to marry making correct business decisions. And, you know, your fiduciary duty to shareholders and investors and, 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 and what it takes to run an organization. And then you also have your responsibility to, the pur- to your purpose. And, you know, I guess I asked that question because that's something that I feel as well, which is that, you know, our purpose as an organization is all about making work better and improving the experience of work for people. Yeah. And, you know, we start with our team, but we can't always get that right. You know, we make mistakes, we make wrong decisions, we get things wrong. And so it's it 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 sometimes feel, feels hard, feels like you've got a lot on your shoulders in terms of like, I need to I need to make good business decisions, but I also need to make sure that I'm living up and walking the walk in terms of our purpose as an organization. Do you do you see that conflict ever or do you feel it? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's just from a a full Oatly point of view. Also for any company that I think is striving to be sustainable, there's there's going to be so many things that come up where commercials and sustainability aren't, you know, don't neatly coexist um, for for obvious reasons. So you have to you have to really weigh up some quite hard questions in order to make the right decision. Um, So that that's from a very high level. That's a, a business challenge generally um but i think i think one thing uh, that about oatly that we do really try to kind of uphold is that we, we we promise to be a good company but not a perfect one because they don't exist and you know we will make mistakes and people won't understand why we're doing what we're doing sometimes um but we we do have good intentions and we are very very um interested in, in being as transparent as we can be with why we've made those decisions and what the reasoning was behind with with that like end goal that light at the end of the tunnel will always be we made this decision because we want to change the food system um and that that how we get there just might be a bit rocky and we might have to sacrifice some sustainability measures for a couple of years in order to try and reach that end goal yeah i love the simplicity of what you say and also how incredibly important I think it is for organizations to channel that, which is that humans are imperfect, right? We, you know, and, and most of the decisions we're making are never really that binary. We, we might want them to be binary, 
but they aren't they're complex and there's always lots of nuance in these situations and you know Laura you and I are going to have good days we're also probably going to have days where we're we're less on our game and we let things slip and and being able to stand up as an organization say this is what we're trying to do but we know we're not always going to be perfect and sometimes we're going to get it wrong and when we do get it wrong we're going to put our hands up and say that I think is uh, so key to building an effective culture yeah yeah I, I agree and I think it that's the thing I think that's one of the biggest conclusions that I personally have coming out of the back of COVID, you know, and the hundreds of articles that have been written about the great resignation. I think so many, so much of that is driven by organizations that talk a great talk, but don't walk it. And when they get stuff wrong, don't, don't tell the truth or don't, don't explicitly hold their hands up. Um, I, I, and I think people's perspective on what they want from a company is changing when it comes to that, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Nice. Do you think all organisations take advantage of having a strong purpose when it when it comes to thinking about their culture? Or do you think organisations think deeply enough about what their purpose is? Like maybe that is, that's the, that's the basement to get in on. Like, is it something that, that people are thinking deeply enough about? Yeah, I guess, I mean, it varies. I think Oatly's really lucky because it it is the seed that we've grown from. And I think for other organisations, it's more of a fertiliser, to use a strange metaphor there, um, that, that can kind of be used to help help grow sort of the company and, and sort of make it into something different. But in, in order to kind of truly manifest that then it just it takes an awful lot of time Ben doesn't it to really think about your purpose what it means what's your identity and how to then filter that into an organization and I think time is is precious and companies are very fast-paced these days and there's a lot of doing 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 and this piece of work takes an awful lot of thinking and collaboration and talking um so I think that may be a miss but for some companies just don't spend the time on it um, and and that that can that can kind of yeah that can be why. If let's say five years time, you know your journey at Oatly has come to an end for whatever reason, um, and you know someone says, "Hey, Laura, we want you to come and be part of a, like a, an early team, <clears throat> and we want you to think about everything, people, culture." Mm-hmm. Would you be saying to them, you know, we need to like lock down our purpose today, or do you see purpose as a something that you're kind of always thinking about and considering and and nurturing? I.e., it's an ongoing process, and it might adapt and change, or you might, you know, it might shift as as your thinking evolves, or is it something that organisations should be, you know, day one of starting the business, back of the napkin, like they should be coming up with their purpose before they even kick things off? Um, I mean, I think in an ideal world, you would start there. I think you know, start with why, to quote Simon Sinek, um, it it is an ideal place to start because then things kind of happen a bit more organically and you don't then need to retrofit a purpose onto something. Um, Mm. But I, I do also acknowledge that that sometimes isn't always possible and it's also not always possible to have a particularly um, engaging purpose. Uh, some companies are quite dry in what they're doing. So um, how do you how do you kind of craft a great culture when 
the end goal isn't particularly exciting um and and how do you sort of think about it then so yes it's a tough one i think it depends on on the business i really like that so um our thinking as it as it applies to culture is about how do we make culture happen how do we actively craft it and i think definitely one of the struggles um that I feel we've had as a as an ecosystem over the last five to ten years is not being able to clearly define how we work on culture, how we prioritize culture. And so for us, uh, you know, the art of working on your culture, culture operations, is defined by three yeah. pillars. It's your people, it's your per- processes, and it's your policies. If if we move those two levers, that adapts and changes changes our, our, our culture. That's how we actively work on our cultures. So how does your purpose play into the way that you operate your culture? You know, the people that you hire, the policies that you have, the processes you have maybe, like what are the most obvious areas where you see your purpose kind of like filtering down through, you know, your cultural activities? Yeah, I think, you know, from a people point of view, sort of what we were discussing earlier, it's it's a very integral part of our recruitment process um, is, is understanding people's um, involvement, engagement with our mission. We don't mind if they've never drunk Oatly before, but, but there's that piece around our purpose and what that means for them. Um, and then, you know, in, internally, it's just something we, we're all very engaged with um, because we get that recruitment right most of the time. Um, people are always talking about food or bringing in new vegan products to try or you know yesterday our sustainability manager did a lunch and learn on um, why it's so hard to talk about climate change so you know it, it sort of means that because people are so engaged with this sort of space there's a lot of a lot of conversations that we can capitalize on and, and craft a culture from um sort of organically I suppose in in the team and then from like a policy and process point of view uh, it's, it's slightly harder to answer but I suppose if you if you kind of take the essence of our mission our purpose which is to build a brighter future uh, for the planet to put it in quite a simple way um, that sort of filters down in, in just trying to be as progressive a company and as future thinking a company as we can be you know obviously our our aim is very much around sustainability but the way that I think about it in in my role from a people point of view with with policies and processes is how how can we future proof this how can we be ahead of the game in how we approach sort of our our guidelines and and structures um internally and and make it really yeah fit for the future and and a bit different and sort of yeah a, a new path for the world of work um is is how i interpret it within that space and do you look at elements of your processes or your people and go you know i think we could push push it further here i think you know i like where's the opportunity i guess you know you're sitting in your role and and you know the last 18 months for for anyone that work works in the people space has been I'm gonna go with traumatic and relatively unsettling. And and so we'd all probably like a bit of a bit of stability. You know, yeah, you and I are talk were talking just before we came on the call about, you know, what are we doing with the office because it looks like COVID cases are going up again. Um, you know, the fun never stops. But 
let's assume the world just quietened down for, for six months and you had a bit of space to work on not just the, the blazers, but maybe the things that you feel like you could, you, you could add value and, 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 and you could take in a different direction. Where's the opportunity for, 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 for you guys from a cultural perspective, do you think? Um, I think probably answer that in a way a lot of people in my position will answer that. I think we're, we're just, we're entering a new a new paradigm potentially in, in terms of how people work, where, when, and sort of, yeah, where, when, and how, how they work. Um, and that's a huge, huge shift and opportunity to sort of take that and create new, new structures and new ways of working that enable people to, to, to work more productively, to focus and to collaborate better, but also live more fulfilling and, and enriching lives outside of work. So, that's a that's a big a big opportunity at the moment, and I think will be a big focus um, for us for the next few months um, here at Oatly. And do you look at that with kind of like excitement or slight? Because you know, I know when we transitioned to sort of hybrid remote, initially I was pretty terrified to be honest with you. Yeah, because I kind of spent ten years trying to get good at a job that I knew how to do. And uh, and I did it face to face with people in an office every day, and then suddenly it was like, oh no, you don't get to do that anymore. And and yeah, I definitely went through a couple of weeks and months of sort of uh, feeling like I was back at the beginning again, and and wondering what it meant to be good at my job in that context. What's your what's your personal outlook now? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really exciting um, and a great opportunity. But it's also uncharted terrain. Um, you know, if you're reading, you know, we were saying before the call, if you're looking at all the articles and all the um, content that's come out around this this subject, it's all sort of from the last year, 18 months. Um, so it's it's very new. And I think we don't know what, what challenges might come up in the future. Um, and I think we have to take a bit of a test and learn approach to this this concept um, and just keep evaluating it because we're not going to settle on something really concrete for a few years potentially so um, kind of accepting that takes takes the stress out of it I suppose yeah for sure um if I'm listening to this as an organization I don't I don't have a clear mm-hmm. purpose I've never defined one in terms of the thought process where should I start do you think? Um, I mean, I mentioned Simon Sinek earlier. I feel like he might be able to answer that slightly better. So I'd recommend looking into some of his work. Um, but I think I think also what I said earlier, it's, it's taking the time and space to truly think about it and not rush um, with trying to kind of distill what your, your purpose is and, and why why you exist as a as an organization um, and to pull in the relevant people to help crystallize that thinking and um, whether that's internally or from sort of a mentor or a coach I, I think having that support in helping you do your best thinking is is really powerful as well um so time and space then <laughs> time and space time and space yeah it's amazing how often time and space or, or like just the, these incredibly simple and profound answers come up in these podcasts, <laughs> but like it's always the simple and profound things that are, that are really really hard to do, right? Exactly. Um, but such is life. So, always end the call on uh, something that is actionable that people can take forward. And the question I was going to ask was, 
uh, like how do you take your purpose if you've got one and weave it into your culture but actually the question I want to ask is taking that people pillar and thinking about hiring because it feels like you've been incredibly successful Mm -hmm. as an organization how do I weave my purpose into my hiring process is where I'd love to end well I think one thing we try and do um is think about the purpose of the role we're hiring for um, and how that then feeds into the company purpose. So we're sort of starting from that as our baseline um, and then build a recruitment process out from there. Um, So for every role, we we treat recruitment as a bit of a project and think about exactly what we're looking for and what we need. And then almost like a science piece, like how do we test for that at each stage um and that purpose piece is just interweaved through every moment of the recruitment life cycle for Oatly you know from from the moment you apply our application form will always say why do you want to work for Oatly and we get a whole host of answers for that and that's that's step one to even kind of get through to an interview stage um at which point you would kind of ask a question around that again so it's just it's just looking at that whole life cycle for recruitment auditing it and seeing how you can kind of weave that purpose in at each and every step nice and yeah i imagine you imagine you've all got great questions that allow you to maybe weed out at interview stage the people that like are truly bought into that purpose and the people that are just saying they are because they want the job yeah. or is that me being really cynical no or or the the third option which is that people are incredibly bought into the purpose but actually don't really want the job they just want to work for only because they love what we do so that's also a challenge <laughs> and i think that is probably the key to all of this which is that Building an organization with purpose is not just about finding people that are born into your purpose, but it's about finding people that want to do the job you need them to do. Exactly. And, and are good at it, that, that also believe in what you're trying to do as an organization. Yeah. Hit the nail on the head there, Ben. There you go. I feel like with that profound point, we should just like tie a neat little bow on this and just call that, call it, call it that and just be like, we ain't going to get any better than that. That was a beautiful place to end. Um, Laura, any final words? No, just just thanks for having me, Ben. And um, yeah, it's been really great to talk about this very important topic. Good. I've enjoyed it. And it's been a great conversation. As I said, I'm a big fan of what you guys do and and the culture that you're building. Um, uh, so let's do it. Let's wrap it up there. Uh, thanks so much uh, to Laura for joining us today. Uh, thank you to Mel, our virtual producer behind the glass. Uh, to all of you listening along, wherever you are, um, we really appreciate you. If you've enjoyed this episode and are feeling generous, please do head to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. It helps other people find the show. um, And that is what we're all about. Uh, We look forward to seeing you again soon. I've been Ben Bransagate, your host, and this has been the Culture Ops Podcast. Mm